Good morning. And to the saints in the balcony who I guess you're the cloud of witnesses looking down upon us, good morning to you. Help me complete this verse of scripture. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and, and we made that choice this morning. And we're able to make that choice every morning in the strength of the Lord, no matter what our circumstances are. Amen. Amen. Uh, it's great to be with you. My friend Doug Medlin, he and his wife Marcy are members of your church family. And last night uh, we were here with the men. I am so encouraged when I see a group of men of faith who are enjoying the Lord and enjoying one another. And I commend you men for your leadership in this church. Amen. Now, Doug and I didn't get a text last night that we had won a championship. But I think we were successful in building the confidence of the other men, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for the privilege of being a part of your life here at Central and what God is doing. And I, those children were so precious. I, I, I felt a tear come to my eye. And I looked at the face of every one of those children. And I prayed, God, may each child come to know Christ at an early age. So they will have all of their lives to enjoy the wisdom and the love and the grace and the mercy and the guidance of God. That would mean an abundant life for all of our children. Amen. 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 Well, uh, Emmanuel University, by the way, I picked up one of your prayer cards. Thank you so much. For years, I've said out of personal conviction in my personal life and in my ministry, prayer first. Prayer first. And I'm so grateful for the way that you have emphasized prayer in the life of your church. Um, Emmanuel University is in Radia, Romania. And uh, it's the largest evangelical university in Europe. I think it was 2015, maybe 16, that I was there at the university to teach and to consult with the administration regarding a financial initiative the school wanted to make and to preach in a manual church. It was while I was there that I was shown the secret places where the Christians met during those times of persecution under Nazi domination. I was told some of the personal stories about how the Christians were persecuted uh, under communism. You may be familiar with the name Richard Rumbrand. He was one of the ones that was kidnapped off the street. He was in prison for 14 years, tortured for 14 years. He survived it. And when he got out, he began a work that we now know as what? The Voice of the Martyrs. His wife's name was Sabrina. And there's a new movie coming out, I think in March, uh, about Sabrina's life. And I would incur, I've already registered to watch that movie. And so it, it tells the story of how she 
showed the love of Christ to the three Nazi soldiers that killed every member of her family. Now I want to ask you a question. Why would a Richard sustain the brutality of 14 years and yet be a witness for Christ? Why would a Sabrina share the gospel and love the very men that took the lives of her family? When we go to the scripture and we, we consider a man by the name of Caleb, why would Caleb stand in the face of ridicule from other leaders as well as the people in order to lead his people to a better and a safe life? I'm wondering why you or I would make a choice that would put us in difficult situations or maybe in harm's way out of a free choice of our own for witness for Christ. I wonder why we would do that. Well, there's an answer in our text this morning. Reach for your Bibles, please. And let's look at Numbers 13. And we'll read verses 1 through uh, three, and then we'll drop down to verse 26. And you remember that God had miraculously delivered His people from Egypt. And now they had traveled, and they were close to the river, they were ready to cross over into the, what? The promised land, the land of Canaan. And this is what happened. And if you're able to do so, would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Numbers 13, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. Verse 26, they came back to Moses after exploring the land and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kedesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. You know, we even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then... Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Amen. But, but, but the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people, 
They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a what? A bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. You know, the descendants of Anak that come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Father, thank you for your word. Now speak to our hearts. Lord, remind us of an important truth that we know. Perhaps give us a new insight, a new truth. And Lord, may our, may our hearts and our minds be open to the leadership of your Holy Spirit. And so when we leave this morning, something, something in our relationship will be different with you because we were under the teaching of your word in Christ's name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Uh, Ingrid and I, my wife and I, uh, we founded Global Missions 365 several years ago. And we have 15 partnerships in eight countries. One of those partnerships is in Romania. And it's on the eastern side of Romania. And his name is Pastor Samika. And um, he's in a very difficult place. Um, his house has been burned down. Uh, the little church has been vandalized. He has personally been beaten. His family has been threatened. And yet he holds steady as we speak this morning in his mission and ministry. Why is it that a person such as Richard Rembrandt or Sabrina or Samika or you and I would make a decision to put us in a challenging situation? Well, the answer to that question is found here in the Word of God. And the answer is because they wanted to make a difference for Christ. The answer is Pastor Samika wants to make a difference for Christ. The answer for you and me, whatever our decisions might be in whatever context we're living out in our lives, the answer is because we want to make a difference for Christ. So the question becomes, what kind of people actually make a difference for Christ. And here in our text, we find that it's a people of faith. Now, Caleb, where was Caleb born, by the way? He was born in Egypt. He was born in slavery. And he was, his, his mom was Jewish and his dad, a Canaanite. And so you might say that Caleb was a mixed breed. His tribe was of Judah, but it was of a lower clan. And anyone happen to know what the name Caleb means? Dog. And it carries the connotation of a cur dog or a barnyard dog with a bulldog spirit. And so that was 
That was Caleb. You know, he kind of had a bulldog personality. And as one of the 12, he did have the courage and the others to slip behind the enemy lines, explore the land, and they discovered that God had told them the absolute truth. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. And so they came back, but the majority gave a bad report. In fact, another scripture says that the report they gave made the hearts of the people melt in fear. It was kind of a, and I, I hope you can see this from, the, from the, the context of the scripture. It was kind of a mobbish mentality at this moment. You know, you had faithless leaders who were giving a fearful report, and then you were having the people who were beginning to grumble and, and murmur because they were now filled with fear. And they, they even talked about killing Moses and Aaron. I mean, it was kind of a, at this moment, it was a mobbish mentality. And it was in this moment that Caleb stood in the midst of that mobbish mentality, a man of faith who wanted to make a difference. And he was not going to let his name, his family history, his socioeconomic status stop him from standing to make a difference for the Lord at a critical moment in time. And you see, he would not allow the giants of the land or the naysayers of his own people or the cowardly leaders or the panic or the threats to cause him to cower. Rather, he stood in the face of all of that and he said, we can certainly do it. Amen. We can certainly take the land. Now, here's a principle. The way we see life is the way we do life. Can you say that with me? The way we see life is the way we do life. Mark it down. So you had 10 leaders over here that were seeing life one way, doing one thing, and you had two over here seeing life a different way and doing life differently. Same is true in ministry. Over the last couple of years, my heart has hurt with my fellow pastors as um, they have been stretched between government mandates and the Word of God. As they have had the heart-wrenching responsibility of caring for their people and staying focused on the mission of the church. <coughs> this has been my experience with the pastors and some of the churches that I've worked with. Those who have stood in faith over fear, sustained their ministry throughout these last couple of years, and in some instances, some churches grew in the very worst time of COVID. Because you see, the way the, church, the pastor and the churches saw ministry is the way they did ministry. The way they saw the sovereignty and the care of God is the way they lived out the sovereignty and the care of God in their lives and in their churches. I'm so encouraged by your church. I, I tell you, I am. You know, as I talked, met with, and talked with some of the men last night, and, 
And you know, as a pastor who's been in ministry for a long time now, and now a lot of churches over the last seven years, uh, you, you, you walk into a church and you can sense when God is present. And I think it was Casey who said earlier during his introductory remarks, you know, God is on the move. I sense that God is on the move here at Central Church. And so then I talked with Ethan just prior to the service and we prayed together. And I understand that you're running now pretty close, pretty close to what you were prior COVID. That, that's an awesome thing. I can tell you, I can take you to churches where the doors are closed today. I can take you to churches where their attendance and involvement has been diminished by 50% or more. And yet I come to Central Baptist and I see a church that has a prayer first focus. I see men of faith gathering. I see children being taught the word of God. And I sense the presence and the power of God. And the way you see God, the way you see ministry is the way you're going to do ministry at Central and beyond. And I'm just tell you, I'm, I'm just grateful. I'm in, so encouraged by folks like you who have held steady and you're holding steady in the midst of uncertain circumstances and you're doing it <laughs> with a bulldog personality. Yeah. So people who make a difference, in the end, they're people of faith over fear. How relevant those verses that Josh led the children in and us this morning. Second, people of courage. Caleb, he stood in that mombish uh, community, and, and Scripture here says that he silenced the people. Can, can you see that? Hey! Stop! Settle down! We should do this because we certainly can do this. Now, why would Caleb do that? Well, a bit over in Scripture, it says, God said this. He said, because Caleb had a different spirit. And catch this. And he follows me wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Now, I'm telling you, and you know this already, but there's a difference between a compromised life and a wholehearted commitment to Christ. And Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly, and that's when we see faith giving birth to what? Courage. Faith gives birth to courage. It was in March of 20 that my wife Ingrid and I, we were... Um, we were about to return from leading a group to Israel when, uh, when COVID hit. Now, we had a group of about 35, and I mean, it was a wonderful group of people. Nobody freaked out. In, in fact, it kind of opened some doors for us because if you've ever been to Israel, you know, you can stand in some long lines at certain places. But I mean, it was clear. <laughs> so we actually got to do more than we would have gotten to do without COVID at that time. So everything was cool until we landed in Chicago, and then that's when we saw the panic button pushed. But we got back home, and all, all was well. We got settled in, 
And then I talked with a friend of mine by the name of Jeff Childers. Might that name ring a bell with anyone in the house? Jeff Childers is an attorney in Gainesville. He's a Christian attorney. He and his family are active in their home church. And um, back in May of 20, he began writing and posting articles out of his concern for what was happening around COVID. Not necessarily COVID, but around COVID. And so every morning at 4.30 in the morning, with very few exceptions, since May of 20, he gets up and he writes an article. He, he, he blogs it. It's on Facebook. He, of course, he's been kicked off a number of times, so he has other platforms as well. And so when he started writing it, just a few of his friends were reading it. Now thousands are reading that post every day. He has, he's used his law practice to help Persons and businesses and churches and industries uh, deal with um, fines or firings or in some other way mistreatment during this COVID era. So he's very serious about what he's doing. And he's, he's now, he's, he's been able to relate to DeSantis and what's happening with some of our state legislation. And recently he was in Washington, D.C. as one of the speakers there that you probably read about. Well, we were, we were talking here uh, just a couple of months ago. And um, he was sharing with me, you know, that they're kind of in the heat of things now. They've received their own threats and et cetera. And I have, having been his pastor at one time, I was there, talk with him, pray with him. And so he, he made this statement to me. He said, Gary, if I lose my law practice, so be it. The Lord gave it to me to begin with. Amen. Till then, I'm going to speak truth. I'm going to speak moral and spiritual principle. And I'm going to speak on behalf of our constitutional rights. Now, that's when faith gives birth to courage. And there's a man who's making a difference now nationally. Now, let's turn that toward um, ministry. So 20 years ago. A friend of mine and I, the Lord led us to found Amazon Vision Ministries. That's ministry in the West Amazon Basin of Brazil and to the Hibaneras uh, or the river people and, and now more, more recent years to indigenous people. And so we take teams and now they come from, you know, various states across the country we take them in, and, and they always share the gospel. They train leaders. We plant churches. We always try to carry a doctor, a dentist with us so that we can provide those services for the Himenaris people. And in the last couple of years, with the small uh, team that we have there, we, we've taken food in and other things during this COVID period. Well, COVID hit this ministry hard like it did many others. And so out of a typical 12, 10, 12, 15 teams a year, 
Uh, we only had three this last year, and two of those were one-man teams. But each of those one-man teams said, we're going. But the third is a, a gentleman from Texas, a church there, and he led a small team in, into some indigenous area that we're now working in. It's the Merunan tribe, and, and Ingrid and I were there several years ago and gave them the first New Testament in their own language. It was a beautiful God moment. Well, here's, here's what Richard said, who led that team from Texas. Because they struggled with it back and forth and getting in a country or out of a country and all you have to go through if you, have, if you test positive, etc. But this is what he said. He said, we told the villagers we were coming back. So we're going. And if we get sick, we'll trust God. He said, if we die, we'll be with Jesus. But we told them our word. We're going back and we're not going to sit on the couch anymore. And we're not going to sit in the pew any longer. We're going. Well, that was last October. They went. There was one member, two members that were delayed because of positive tests, but they're all fine, and the ministry had been accomplished. The point is, faith, genuine faith, gives birth to courage. Third is people of consistency. Um, God kept Caleb alive uh, for how many years from that day when, when he said, we can certainly do that until the day he said, come on, we need to go back to Canaan. How many years? 45 years. 45 years from that day. So he kept him alive. 45 years. Now, um, <laughs> you understand that he, he was, during those 45 years, he, he wasn't kind of like in the Sanibel Island. <laughs> he was in the desert. And, and it's not like he was around a group of positive, enthusiastic people of initiative and faith. They were grumbling and murmuring the whole time. Then he had to watch them die across 40 years because God said, you're not coming out of the desert because of your disobedience. So that was his experience for those 40 years in the desert. And yet when it comes time... He said, hey, let's go back to Canaan. He's, he sustained his faith in the midst of that difficult, difficult situation. Um, I had the privilege of meeting a pastor by the name of O.E. Bowles. When I met him, he was 102 years of age. Okay, so I just heard, I just heard about Pastor Bowles that he had just finished preaching a revival at 102. So I said, I got to meet this. I got to meet this guy, this pastor. So it took me a while, but we did. We, we met, we talked, we became friends. And I would, I would sit at his feet at every opportunity I could to learn from him. And it was a rich experience. Well, um, he preached his last message when he was 105. And I was, I was there for that sermon. In fact, he had had a stroke a few months earlier, and he said there were three pastors there with, with him that morning. And he said, now, man, you know I've had a stroke, and I may not be able to finish this sermon, so if I can't, one of you just pick it up. Okay? <laughs> so then 45 minutes later, he's holding forth. 
And he got tired and he sat down, but he still gave an invitation to respond to God. 105. At 107, I had the privilege of doing his memorial service. Five people came to Christ at his memorial service. What a benediction the Lord gave him. So he told me that he received his call to ministry as, a, as a, uh, an older teen. And he was plowing behind a mule, and God spoke to him, and he fell on his knees, and he gave his, his life calling to the Lord. And he was faithful to his last breath at 107 years of age. This is what he told me in a conversation one day. He said, he said you know, young man, I felt better when he said that. <laughs> he said, you know, once you put your hand to the plow, you just never let go. Yeah. Folks, I don't know about you, but I suspect it's true for you as well. There, there have been those times and I thought I was going to lose my grip. My late wife, 10-year battle with multiple myeloma. Thought I might lose my grip. Didn't in God's strength. Some of you, you may have situations in your life in which you're, you feel you're hanging on. And some of you have been here in this church family for a long time and you've been carrying a lot of ministry responsibility and and sometimes you're wondering if you can hang on. Some of you have personal situations like the lady I talked with just a few days ago who said, Pastor, I don't, I don't, I, I'm losing hope that my marriage will ever get better. So here's what Caleb says to you and me. Hold on. Hold on. Just hold on. I can do all things with the strength of Christ. Just hold. Hold on because people who make a difference are people who hold steady in the midst of the difficult situations. Then a people of action at 85. Um, at 85, this time, you know, his, his dream had been voted down, Caleb's. He had been stranded in the, desert, in the desert for 40 years. But now he said, give me this hill that the Lord promised me. He was ready to go back. Give me this hill. The Lord promised me. He had not forgotten that promise. He knew they would have to fight. He knew there would be loss of husbands. He knew there would be loss of dads. Still, he said, this is God's plan. It has been from the beginning. Give me this mountain that God promised me. In my leadership coaching, I have 14 principles that I teach that empower us in our lives and ministry. And one of them is this. What gets risked gets done. What gets risked gets done. Now, risk, when rooted in faith, gives birth to action. Action changes things, i.e. action makes a difference and life rewards action. Have you ever noticed that? Okay. So, 
He had a dream, and he did not let go of it. And he was ready to take action even at age 85 when he'd experienced some really difficult things in his life. Can I ask you a question? Have you stopped dreaming? If so, when did you stop dreaming God dreams? When, when did you begin to be unwilling to take risks rooted in faith? How about this church? This, this church, I'm, I'm, I'm so encouraged. You're at a place you have, you have gone through a transition of staff. You have gone through COVID and yet you're strong and you're vibrant and, and you're in a new season. What's the God-sized dream? See, we all tend to settle for less. And God says throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, do not settle. I have an abundant life for you. I have an abundant dream for your church. I have places for you to go. I have things for you to go. And you know what? They matter. They make a difference. Well, you know that your size of your dream determines the size of your team. Now listen, and it also determines the size of the character of the men and women on the team. You see that? You saw the 10 on one team. You saw the 10 on the size of the team and character action. I'm wondering what actions do, does the Lord want you to take this morning in your personal life, you as a church family? And would you take home this question? God, what is my God-sized dream for my life, for my marriage, for my family, for my church? Would, would, would you take that question home with you? Just say amen if you will. Okay, and then one other thing. People make a difference who leave a legacy. Um, fast forward years later, after they had occupied Canaan, and um, they did evil in the sight of God again, and so God turned them over to King um, Aram, and then they began to cry out to the Lord again, and he gave them a leader by the name of Othenial. Do you know who Othaniel was? He was the son of Kenez, who was the younger brother of Caleb. So Othaniel was the nephew of Caleb. You, you get the point? That was Caleb's legacy. Through his brother to his nephew, and in a sense, Caleb and his faith and his courage and his consistency and his action was still leading the people of Israel generation later. Amen. That's the importance of legacy. Um, the greatest privilege of my life in ministry was serving Westside Baptist in Gainesville for 34 years. 
And I, I love those people deeply. During that, one of the wonderful things that God did was during those years, he called out 150 plus persons into vocational ministry or missions. And so in, those, um, in that latter season of my ministry there, and my late wife, was, she was fighting uh, multiple biloma. She went home in 2009. And I began to think, you know, ahead. And I remember having a conversation with her one day, and I, I was expressing my concern about, well, you know, what about, what about our people when they're not here any longer? Now, if you love your people, it's a serious question. But in her very pragmatic way, she said, well, let me ask you something, Gary. Will you have any control when your watch is over? No. And then she said this. What God has done during those years and those 150 plus people who are out there around the country and around the globe now, Nothing can stop what God put in motion. And this is when I was first exposed to this principle. Don't try to put your legacy in an organization. Put it in people. So can I ask you, who you're investing in? Who you're mentoring? Who you're teaching? And if you had the courage to do so, what would be your next step? We all have a compass that needs to be aligned with God's compass for our lives. We all have a clock that's ticking. We all have an opportunity at a given time. What is the opportunity that's placed before you now in your life? So could we take a few moments, just a couple of moments for invitation? I know our time is running. Can I speak to the leaders for a moment? You, you can identify yourself as a leader. I, I, I would think of a deacon or a Bible study teacher or a pivotal committee or something. So, so those of you. So if you're a leader in this church, I want to pray with you. If you're a leader, would you just stand where you are in the balcony or down here on, on the bottom floor? Would you just stand and remain standing for a moment and let me pray with you? Just leaders of the church. Now just remain standing for a moment. Some of you are doing ministry in this church and you're doing it well. But some of you know that you can do more. You can do more. You can make a better difference. If that is you and you're willing, would you stand and say, yeah, I'm involved in ministry, but I can do more and I will. I want to pray for you. Would you stand? Anyone in the house? Thank you. Anyone else in the balcony? Some of you are not involved, really, in ministry. You're very faithful in your attendance, contribute in some ways, but you're not engaged with your gifts and your abilities. But you know what? You say, I want to make a difference, and I'm ready to do it. Would you stand? I want to pray with you as well. There you go. Any, there you go. Thank you so much. Anyone else? In the balcony. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, that is so good. As God will use that. 
It may be someone here this morning who you don't know Christ. You know about Him, but you don't know Him. But you're ready to receive Christ as your Savior. Would you stand and let me pray for you? Anyone? Say, I'm ready to receive Christ as my Savior. Anyone who says, I'm, I, I know Christ, but I need to be baptized, and I'm ready for that to happen. Would you stand? Let me pray with you. There you go. That's awesome. Some of you have been attending the church, but you're not a member of the church, but you're ready for that to happen. I tell you, if I lived here, I think Ian and I would just go ahead and join this morning as well. <laughs> but you're ready to join the church. Would you stand, please? Can I see you? There you go. Awesome. Anyone else? Okay, now I'm going to pray for all of you. And then when the message, when we're finished, the next step room is right outside that door and to the right. And there are folks there ready to meet you, talk with you, and help you with your decision that you're making. Can we pray together? And church family, you pray with me in your heart for these folks. Father, thank you for these men and women who stand in faith. They stand in courage. They stand in excitement. They stand trusting you for one decision or another. And I pray, God, that you would use them to move this church forward throughout this community and beyond for the sake of Christ Jesus. And Father, those who are seated, that one brave decision that you need to make while you're sitting there, one brave decision, the one most brave decision you can make, would you make it right there? in your heart, and give it to God. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to the Central Church Podcast. For more information on how to take your next step, visit us online at gocentralchurch.org.